today on Ag News Daily. The Russians are intentionally bombing civilian infrastructure. They are destroying the electricity infrastructure. And we have a few very big uh, nitrogen fertilizer uh, plants in Ukraine. And they can't work now because they don't have the electricity. And, and gas obviously also comes from Russia. Listeners, welcome to a November 18th edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Tana Winterhoff joined by Cassidy Zirkel today. Our message is brought to you by Mystic Lubricants. For a full look at their line of products, visit mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Cassidy, did you make it back home? I did, Tanner. I landed about 6.30 my time last night and came home and went to sleep. Yeah, usually after those those trips to conferences and organizations like that, it it's nice to be back in your own bed and get some good quality rest. Absolutely. I am drained, but it was a blast getting to meet and talk to so many other farm broadcasters in Kansas City. Yes, and hopefully the weather out there is nicer than what we're seeing here in the Midwest. Wind chill advisories are still in effect for Nebraska, and winter storms are hitting Michigan. Wind chill advisories state that Temperatures could fall below negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit in parts of Nebraska. The cold wind chills could cause frostbite if your skin's exposed for more than 30 minutes. Further east, like we said, winter storms are remaining in effect in Michigan through the weekend. Another six inches of snow is expected on top of the additional three to six inches that they got. Travel could be unadvisable as far as those go. And then we talked to our friends even further out east, the New York area. Of course, lots of talk around the Buffalo football game as to what they're going to do as far as that location goes, because heavy snowfall is pounding western New York and will persist through today. Snowfall will probably provide zero visibility and make travel travel difficult to nearly impossible as they weather this storm. Their cold air of temperatures in the 20 degree range is perfect for snowfall and they may see snow Cassidy exceeding four feet in depth around Buffalo. Around six million people live in those five Great Lake states that we've been talking about all the way in that stretch from Wisconsin to New York and they are under this heavy snowfall alert. Another reason I'm happy to be back home is it's a lot warmer here than it was in Kansas City which is so strange to me but Still better. Uh, some news I have today, not really related to the weather, but something to watch is that a lab-grown poultry food has passed through the FDA's consultation, and that's by Upside Food. Their animal cell cultured chicken has passed the FDA inspection and is now waiting to be inspected and cleared by the USDA before it can hit shelves. Wow, I did not see that headline. Uh, animal cultured, animal cell cultured. So that's a strategic marketing ploy there to state that it is not actually production meat. Quite interesting. Well, I know that you and Delaney were preoccupied with other areas uh, in what you were working on. So let's get the ethanol production results here Friday instead of on a Thursday. Ethanol output, according to the headline, drops to the lowest level in a month, which is way more dramatic than it seems. That lowest level left the week ending average falling to 1.01 million barrels per day, which is still pretty close to the average. It's down from 1.05, so not a significant difference, but it is the lowest since October 7th. 
Midwest continues to pound out the ethanol gallons leading the industry as far as production goals. The ethanol inventories for that week ending November 11th fell to 21.298 million barrels. That's down from the 22.192. So even though production slipped a little bit, so are inventories. So we hopefully see ethanol production continue to boost up and start building those inventories back up, Cassidy. Well, Tanner, I appreciate you covering that since we didn't get to touch on it yesterday. I know we did get to uh, talk to a lot of people in the industry sector at Trade Talk yesterday, so hopefully we'll be getting to share those conversations soon. On a different topic, we I know we've touched a little bit on foot and mouth disease throughout the past few months. It is ramping up across the across the world, and it has the impact to cause over $130 billion in losses in the U.S. cattle market over a 10-year span. That's based on some estimates, but what this article is really focusing on is the fact that veterinarian Laura Bledsoe says that it's actually really hard to tell which animals are infected by foot and mouth compared to those with mouth and hoof sores. So producers, be sure that you are consulting with your veterinarian to diagnose this disease early so that you can get it caught and treated. Yeah, it is something for us to continue to watch. I did hear, see a quick headline, not reading in depth on it too, that the price of Thanksgiving meals are up again due to inflation, but it sounds like commodity groups are arguing back and forth as to what is the true cause. A lot have pointed at the poultry industry with the bird flu, avian influenza that has come through as the rise of turkey costs for the meal. But the Turkey Federation is turning back and pointing at standard inflation for the rest of the ingredients. But before I get to my next article, let's pause right now here for a message from our sponsor today. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. So Cassidy, bankers, of course, are back on their monthly reporting. And for the sixth consecutive month, the rural economy is posting signs of weakness. That's according to the Rural Main Street Index. Of course, that comes from Creighton University. We've reported on that before. But for November 2022, the index sits at 45.7. That's up slightly from October's 44.2. But again, is the sixth consecutive month. That reading is followed below growth neutral. To remind our listeners, neutral is 50, representing growth neutral. The CEOs and bankers in a 10-state region are the ones that have reported on this. The experience is potentially pointed at the uh, upcoming downturn in economic activity, says Ernie Goss, who chairs the Creighton Business College. The region's farmland prices index, however, rose from October's 58 number to 68.2. I think we've reported on a lot of high land sales. So for the 26th straight month, that index has stayed above the neutral of 50. So it sounds like farmland prices will remain strong. However, 61% of us bankers expect farmland prices to plateau in 2023, while 22% expect prices to decline in the next 12 months. The remaining 17% of bankers expect prices to continue to grow, but at a much slower pace than what we have been seeing. Farmer Quentin 
Farm equipment sales indexes jumped to a strong 59.5 and up from October's 47.8. So that's the rise above growth neutral. And as we reported last month, was the first time in two years it dropped below. So now we have 23 out of 24 months where the equipment prices have gone up. And Cassidy, like we told our listeners, combine prices are the major source of that volume. Loan volume index dropped still, staying strong, though, at 65.8, down from a 76.8. I think that is mainly due to the extra bushels that were found in the field this fall and that continued to stay firm on prices. So it looks like we could be good. However, Goss says higher input costs, greater farm equipment sales, and drought conditions could push towards a lower index continuing on the overall sentiment for the economic standards. So a mixed bag, a couple of areas of ag doing quite well. Others have some areas of concern. And Tanner, in that group of percentages of what bankers are expecting, are you allowed to say which percentage you fall in? I, I, yeah, I can. I, there's no issue for me not to add my input. I would state, uh, in a very well asked question, Cassidy, I would state here locally, at least in Iowa, I don't see land prices sliding. I don't see them falling backwards. I would love to see them plateau. But unfortunately, I think with economic concern, there's a lot of ag related individuals that see farmland as a steady and conservative place to put their investments. So farmers and investors alike in the ag sector, I think, will continue to pump into the land available. Since there's not a substantial amount of land selling, I think the inventory levels being low will continue to drive prices higher. Well, Tanner, one thing that we did touch on yesterday that will kind of help with this issue of high land prices is USDA's new grants going out to young farmers to help them acquire land and skills they need to come back into agriculture. So hopefully that will help mitigate the lowering of labor and personnel in agriculture because of the prices. Yes, I can see that exactly. North Korea is still in the news, the headlines. I don't see them leaving the headlines anytime soon. They fired a ballistic missile towards the U.S. into the sea in its vow to provide fiercer military response to the United States and its allies. North Korea launched short-range missile towards the sea just hours after the U.S., Japan, and South Korea had conversations at their recent summit meeting. Now, these intercontinental ballistic missiles do have range, potential to hit the United States. South Korea's military is stating that North Korea is threatening to launch them in response to the U.S. bolstering its security commitment to its allies allies of South Korea, Japan, and of course, this is all over Taiwan. South Korea detected this launch uh, as of 10.58 in their time zone, which would have been a little after 8.50 or 8.48 Eastern time hours. The Joint Chiefs of Staff said that uh, the strengthening, they will continue to strengthen their surveillance of North Korea while maintaining their military readiness in close coordination with the United States. So hopefully that doesn't have much impact on our markets here in the U.S. Let's pause one more time for a message from our sponsor today. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. 
They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Well, Tanner, before we jump into the markets, let's bring it back overseas. Bill Gates has announced that his philanthropic foundation is pledging more than $7 billion to send to some African countries, Burkina Faso, Ethiopia, Kenya, Nigeria, and South Africa, to help with health, gender equality, and to boost farming activity. I got to have a conversation yesterday that we will be sharing in the next coming weeks with the World Food Program. And the man I talked to, Chase Sova, told me that some countries in Africa have been waiting for rain for over three years. So I'm sure these funds coming from Bill Gates and many other organizations like the World Food Program are greatly appreciated in this time of poverty, famine, and food insecurity. Absolutely. I got one last headline on my side of things, Cassidy. The parade of farmers, food processors, and lawmakers are now putting pressure on Senate to push through their labor bill. As stated nearly 19 months ago, the House passed the H-2A guest worker program bill, but nothing has emerged from behind the scenes in negotiations from the Senate. There is now time as we look at adjournment approaching us very quickly for legislatures for the Senate to take serious message in here. They all call for a timely passage of immigration reform for agriculture, a long list of senators are in favor with this. Uh, some have obviously spoken out against it for undocumented farm workers to have a priority coming through the border. The goal is to put reform in that makes it easier for them to obtain their documentation and help out our agriculture sector. But let's get into the markets right now. Cassidy, kind of a quiet overnight, even though the headlines had hit. Corn is little unchanged. Uh, December contract is up a penny to 668. The December 2023 long range is pretty much even at the open today at $6.10. So it means up two cents in the overnight to 14.19 for the January contract. Next fall delivery, November 23 is unchanged at 13.66. Wheat is down three cents in the December contract at 8.03. The December 23 contract is down five cents to 849. Live cattle saw a little bit of a tick up in the overnight, just three cents to 153.05 for the December, February's 155.72. As we get into, uh, feeder cattle, January contract unchanged, 179.95 and March 2023 looks like it's at 182.60. Hogs, unchanged as well. So a quiet overnight in the markets, which is good without Delaney here to give us perspective on any major market movements. But now it's fun to get into a Friday conversation. Let's get to that interview right now. Let's dive right in here today to introduce our two panelists. First, I would like to introduce Farmer Dutch, actually native, but Ukrainian farmer, Case Hausinga, who has learned the weather and other normal farming challenges are not as bad as the bullets, rockets, and grenades of Russia's war on Ukraine. He has over 20 years of farming experience in central Ukraine, growing 
onions, carrots, wheat, barley, canola, sugar beets, corn, sunflowers, and navy beans. He keeps quite busy. He's also a dairy farmer, modern dairy farmer, and is a member of the Global Farmer Network and was here in 2022 recognized as the Kleckner Award winner for Global Farm Leadership here this year. So a big congratulations to Case on that award. We're also welcoming Dr. Antonina Broyaka, who is has a PhD in economics. She was previously a dean in Ukraine at the Venezia National Agrarian University. I hope I got that somewhat correct. I'm not fluent in Ukraine, unfortunately, but she is also a very recent U.S. native now. Following the Russian invasion, just in March, Dr. Broyaka moved her and her children to the United States to receive refuge in Manhattan, Kansas, where she is continuing her research activity as an extension associate at Kansas State University and doing lots of research currently right now on the issue of economic impact of the Russian military aggression on the agricultural markets and global food security. So welcome both to you each. I think a good place to start our discussion today, before we open it up, of course, to questions from our audience, is to look at the last 10 plus months. You've both had unique experiences, Case trying to farm during the Russian invasion, and Antonina, obviously fleeing Ukraine was a difficult but interesting experience. I'll open it up to you first, if you wouldn't mind just sharing with us what has the last 10 months been like for you and your family? That was hard, of course, because I'm far from my home, and my husband is still in Ukraine, and First of all, I was feeling I am a mom and I needed to do something for my children because when we woke up from the bombing and that was really scary and we were sitting in a shelter several days and when the key been occupied, we decided that I need to move. And despite my career, I made the choice that children are the most important things for Every mom, I guess. So um, we went to Poland. That was hard walk. It walk. <laughs> it took us two days to get in Poland. And then I, I, I received many messages from uh, Kansas State University because I been there in 2004, 2005 as a Fulbrighter. Uh, I, I've been a young faculty member, young uh, professor, so I, I had some research scholarships there. And I started to receive messages from my friends um, that what is going on, are you alive, If how we can help you. So finally I made the decision that we will fly with my children to Kansas State University, and I really appreciate all the support that I received from Kansas people, especially from Manhattan, and other institutions that support me and my family and Ukraine in general. So since my arrived to Manhattan, I arrived March 19 to Manhattan. Um, I I've been employed at College of Agriculture, Ag Account Department, and I continue my research. I continue to do what I feel I have to do to help my country. Uh, even from here, um, I try to 
spread as much as possible information about uh, impact of Russian war, and I guess my message been heard and people understand that now it is not only about Ukraine, especially after several missiles that recently arrived to Poland, that that is not only about Ukraine, this is about world democracy, this is about peace in the whole world, about food security, and about our future life. Thank you. Case, share with us a little bit about farming the last 10 months, because we've, I'm sure, all seen lots of images. I personally remember seeing on, I think it was Facebook, where there were farmers that were putting on Kevlar vests ready to go out and get planting for the season. Yeah, so on our farm, we have been very lucky. We only had one rocket in our village, so that's nothing compared to... Uh, to bigger cities or to farmers in the south or the, the east or the north of the country, you know, where their farms have been bombed. Their, I mean, dairy farmers have been bombed. Ex- dead cows lying all over the place, dead pigs lying all over the place. I mean, um, yeah, that's just terrible to see, you know. And those guys are not farming anymore, of course. They are, it's too dangerous there. Uh, or their fields are still mined. Um, so that's difficult for them to go out there. There's still farmers driving with their tractors in the field and driving on the mine and, and exploding. Um, so, um, yeah, that's terrible. And in, in, in Ukraine lost like 20, 25% of its uh, arable, arable surface to, uh, to, to the war. Uh, but for us, we were very lucky because we don't have that. And uh, we were, again, lucky because we sold most of our commodities before the war uh, started. But we only had 5,000 metric tons of corn left, and that normally takes us a week to bring to Odessa. And now it took us four months to sell it but because we had to truck it uh, to Romania because the Black Sea was closed. So, uh, you know, but that's, again, minor problems compared to the guys in, 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 in the occupied areas and in the front line. Susan Littlefield with KRVN and the Rural Radio Network. You and I were just talking a few moments ago, and I think my fellow farm broadcasters would be excited to hear that you guys aren't letting what's happening in the war slow you down. Talk about your expansion to your dairy operation. Yeah, uh, we were already expanding our dairy operation. We have a 2,000-head dairy farm, uh, and we have been building it over the last 10, 15 years. Um, and actually, that diversification uh, has been really good for us because we couldn't uh, uh, sell our, our crops that fast as we were used to, and we can't sell it that fast as uh, now, the new crops we have, which we have brought in. But the milk has always been taken from uh, by, the, by the creamery from our farm. They, they never missed a day. And they paid regularly, and the milk is uh, consumed with, of the processed milk is uh, consumed within Ukraine. So uh, that gave us a, a regular income. Uh, and the expansion which we had started before the war, um, yeah, we stopped it because, you know, we were not sure what was going to happen, if we would be occupied, if the, if the bombs would drop on our farm, or, I mean, when you are really in a war situation, you know, and my wife and kids, they also fled the country, then you're in panic. You don't know, um, you just don't know what's going to happen, you know, but after a while you get used to it, and statistically you think the chances are not that big that our farm gets hit. Um, 
So, and we um, we picked up the the expansion of the dairy farm again because we can't sell the heifers. There's no market for it. We can't export them. We can't sell uh, our slaughter cows really for a good price. Uh, so our Existing barns are overcrowded, and uh, in this summer or beginning of the summer, we picked up construction again um, in expanding our dairy. And it's also because, like, we have 350 employees. A lot of them work on the dairy farm. Um, you know, it's also their stability. It's not only the stability of the company, it's also the stability of our employees, and it's, it's a good thing in general for Ukraine and, and also for our farm. So, yeah, that's that's what we do in looking to the future, I mean. Sooner or later, we'll, this war will be over, with, with your support, of course. Bob Bosel from Wisconsin, dairy country, obviously. What are, you, what are you doing? How much crop do you figure production you lost in 2022 across the country? And how are, how can farmers in Ukraine plan ahead for 2023? Can you get seed? Can you get diesel fuel? Can you get fertilizer? Uh, as Kiss told, uh, we lost around 25% of our arable land, and that is because of bombing. It was physically destroyed and also occupied areas. But uh, talking about crops, this year we harvested almost 30%, more than 30% less than previously. And it means that not only uh, Ukraine will not get enough uh, income from selling this uh, uh, crops, this uh, grain, but also the world will not get that food from us. For next year, it seems to me even more complicated uh, because for this year, farmers um, were more, you know, thinking perspective and uh, they had some fertilizers uh, st- stored before, right, and uh, some seeds. But now for next year, it's getting much more complicated because, uh, first of all, there is some shortage of uh, fertilizers and the prices are higher and prices for fuel. So the inputs would be higher. And, uh, of course, we have uh, – some uh, shortage of seeds, uh, some uh, banks of seeds been destroyed as well. So it's even hard to um, genetically um, create new varieties. So we will definitely need some support to get this. I can, I, I can add like, the Russians are intentionally bombing civilian infrastructure. They are destroying the electricity infrastructure. And we have a few very big uh, nitrogen fertilizer uh, plants in Ukraine, and they can't work now because they don't have the electricity, and, and gas obviously also comes from Russia. So that's also in short supply. Um, so they don't produce nitrogen, and you all know that uh, not using nitrogen on your corn or your wheat, uh, that dra- dramatically decreases your yield and inequality. So, uh, yeah, Next year is going to be a bigger problem yield-wise than uh, than this year. And paradoxically enough, uh, this year uh, the farmers in the east, in the Donbass area, they had uh, their highest yields ever because of favorable weather conditions. As Antonina said, they they already were prepared for for the season which we are now finishing. So they had the fertilizer, everything was on that on that fields, and they had very good yields. But Again, difficulties to to export it. You know, there's, the truckers are not all very willing to drive in the direction of the front line, 
and bring that uh, commodities to to the Black Sea ports. So, um, and that also creates liquidity liquidity problems for the farmers, with which they cannot buy the expensive fertilizers which have gone th- uh, through the roof. Yeah, so the worst is yet uh, is still to come if we if we don't solve this quickly. Well, Tanner, this session that Delaney got to moderate was very eye-opening and honestly a little bit emotional. And I wish everyone could have been there in person to feel the true impact of what they're going through. Absolutely. It's great that we can share information like that with our listeners. Of course, listeners, if you have connections that would make good interviews, let us know about those. Connect with us on all of our social media channels. And we will be back on Monday with more great news and information for you. But for today, Cassidy, what do we say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.